Go Ask Alice is a show intended for adult audiences because adults want to learn too. Sometimes we cover sensitive material, so please take care of yourselves and listener discretion is advised. Now on to the show. Hello, internet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice, the show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes and bring you wonderful factoids for Avengers and Wiki Wonderland. I'm Drew, and I have a crush on all of you. <laughs> With me is... <laughs> I'm Lindsay, and I don't give a shit. Oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, mine's going to feel out of place now. Um, I'm Gene, and I raised $266 today, along with two full shopping carts of supplies for my local animal shelter. Oh, I'm yay. so glad that you went after me. <laughs> <laughs> I raised this. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you are here because you enjoy learning about really, really weird niche things. That's why we're here. Every week, we start on the same Wikipedia page, and we wander around using hyperlinks within the article until we find something we cannot stop reading. Usually, this means that we've read about two or more paragraphs until we are metrically hooked. And surprisingly today, it seems like we did not have to wander far from our start page. This week, we started on Candle, which you would think is not interesting whatsoever, <laughs> but I, I personally took three clicks. I took two. Two whole big clicks. I think I, I think I took three, three or four clicks, maybe? This is remarkable because I know that there's no way we ended up on the same thing, but we are all very close to fire. But before we jump into our topics, we have our question of the week. Yes. Gene, do you want to ask our question of the week? Oh, yes, yeah, sure. I believe, <laughs> if my memory serves me well, it was, what is your favorite artificial flavor? Ooh. ooh. There are wrong answers we've established. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. You cannot say grape. I, I go so far as to say you can't say banana. Damn it. Damn it, <gasps> Janet. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to push back on that one because there have been some things where I was like, this is not real banana, but I am definitely enjoying it. <laughs> Ew! Drew, were you really... Yeah, yeah. Runt's banana. Runt's banana Ew. is... <laughs> chef's kiss. Ew. I love it. I love. I can't get enough of it. You give me them Runt's bananas and I'm so happy. Oh, that's nasty. Those taste like <laughs> diapers. How do you know what diapers what taste we, like? Yeah, what? That, How do you know? <laughs> that absolutely gives me mental images of diapers when I eat those. No way. <laughs> What's your favorite, Gene? Uh, so, weird one. Muskmelon. Who? What? Excuse That's me? That's right. So there's these Japanese hard candies that are uh, melon flavored, but it's specifically muskmelon, and it is a mixture of artificial and natural flavoring. Ooh, Ooh. Yes. it kind of sounds like perfume. Sounds it, like you're it, eating perfume. It's, very, <laughs> it's 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 sweet, but it's very floral. Yeah, it's it's a very good flavor. Oh, put that also on the list. I do not like artificial rose. That shit's nasty. I don't know if you ever ate rose. Oh, like no. I was gonna say that's a scent, not a. Flavor. No, you. There's rose candy. There's like a Greek rose candy, and I'm like, I when it's like in my mouth, I'm Get like, I should not have a flower in my mouth. This is not good. Maybe the question should have been, what is your least favorite artificial <laughs> flavor? Since we have a lot of those. Yeah, my favorite is watermelon. I, so oh, I was very okay. on, on on the edge between muskmelon and watermelon. Well, artificial watermelon is just wonderful. Except for in like soda. 
I've had watermelon soda and it's kind of nasty. Yeah, that does sound kind of gross. Hey, where did we all end up this week? I'll, I'll go first, I guess. Yeah. So I ended up... Wait, so if if I say that I, I gave you a clue earlier today, it was beautiful woman, nothing, nothing. And I, and I posted a little spoiler in the chat. So... Yeah, just to get everyone up to speed, in our little private group chat, Jean was like, oh, I'm going to give you a a clue, quote, beautiful woman. And then in the spoilers channel, he posts some, like, person cupping a bunch of, like, blueberries. Oh, you fool. They are not blueberries. Oh, oh. go on. So, does Belladonna (gasps) remind you of anything? No. No? Flower? Oh my god, you don't know. This is going to be exciting. Belladonna. Okay, at- Atropa Belladonna. It's a poisonous plant. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Wow. That's where I okay. was. And yeah, okay, so that means beautiful woman. Okay, okay. Yeah, Belladonna. I ended up on my favorite thing, asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, your, your clue is fake snow. <laughs> just wait. Oh, just wait. <gasps> Oh, oh my god. god. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> because I have pictures for you. <laughs> so we've got dangerous fake snow. We've got Santa's little helper over here. Poison. <laughs> <laughs> poison. And mine is Shaggy Peter. <laughs> <laughs> what? I will reveal all in my segment. Looking forward to that. Where the hell do we start? Yeah, God. So we've got a plant. We've got another naturally occurring resource. And mine is man-made. So it sounds like asbestos could be a bridge between man-made and natural. So maybe we can do belladonna. Like in the order we we revealed them. Belladonna, asbestos, and Shaggy Peter. That works for me. I'm good with that. All right. Oh, boy. All right. So we're going to start a little boring. Because, you know, I got to describe the plant and whatnot. But... We're going to jump around. Uh, There's definitely some, you know, medicinal properties. There's some uh, cosmetics. And then there's poison, my favorite. So, um, simply put, it's a perennial plant from the nightshade family. Perennial meaning it'll just keep regrowing every year. Um, Native to Europe, but can be found all over the world at this point. Uh, Likes to grow in shady forests and near streams, but can also apparently, according to the internet, it's fond of dumps and ruins and quarries. <laughs> so that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it um, loves decay. Wait, so what comes first, the decay or the plant? Does it cause mm, the ruin? Mm. I'm pretty sure the plant comes first. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. This, this is a trick question. Leave me alone. But if you didn't know, the nightshade family also includes tomatoes, potatoes, eggplants, bell peppers, and some other edible munchies. And let's jump into the name of it. So Atropa, Atropa Belladonna, named after Atropos, the goddess um, from Greek mythology. She was one of the three fates, you know, the sisters who weave the web and then do all that stuff. Atropos was known as the one who cannot be turned aside. And she was the one who would, at the end, cut a person's lifeline after her sisters spun it and measured it. Ooh. So, yeah, yeah, meaning death. 
And then, of course, you have Belladonna, which is Italian simply for beautiful woman. And that part of the name came from when it was named Atropa Belladonna because women were using Belladonna as a cosmetic. Oh, shit. With, with, with some bad consequences. Drew, did you come across this in your segment when you did cosmetics? No, I didn't actually. I, I, I mean, because mine was purely based on lead. And so I don't think I came up <laughs> like anything natural. Organic, that's the word for it. I couldn't mm. think of that. Thank you. Um, so it's just like a tall, kind of like bushy plant with long branches. It can it averages around like the average height of a person, around five feet. Um, what is that? Two meters for our international listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it does it does go it does go up to like seven feet. Um, so it can get pretty big. It can be a big big girl, I guess, not a big boy. Um, it's got oh yo I forgot I have pictures. Let me post those. Ah, <laughs> oh, pictures. All so right. it's got. It's got cute, cute little bell-shaped um, flowers that have like a dull purple like opening with petals, and then it kind of like gradients into a greenish um, yellow, like at to, at the base. And then they have this faint kind of enticing sweet floral smell to the point where people have used it in perfumes and fragrances. Uh, the one I found right off the bat was called Fame by Lady Gaga in 2012. She oh has shit! Belladonna in there, although it seems like it is a more of a synthetic smell than like a natural one that they put into the, these perfumes. Mm-hmm. Not sure if it's because if you spray it on yourself, you poison yourself. <laughs> 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 but that's what I found. And then, um, so these plants produce individual pleasantly sweet little berries um, that have this really rich, glossy, deep black color to them once they're ripened. And they do look oh, like you're blueberries. You're so good at explaining those. Oh, thank you. They do look like blueberries. So, Sarah, if you were... I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Lindsay. If you were out in the wild, you'd probably, you know, be like, oh, these are blueberries. They're so delicious. And then, yes, you would you would probably die. Sorry to I'm say. I'm, like, looking at... I'm, like, kind of sure that one of my neighbors has one of these in their yard because I did pass a blueberry-looking thing, and I was like, I wonder if I could eat those. It's very possible. I mean, there are other many other blackberries out there. Not like blackberries, but like berries that are round, glossy, and right. black. But yeah, you you definitely don't want to eat this one because this is very bad for you. It, life and lessons on Go Ask Alice. Don't eat random berries in your neighbor's yard. Berries. Absolutely not. No. So I guess we can jump into its toxicity because that is like where most of the interest and intrigue comes from. Uh, from for this plant uh, the berries and leaves are extremely toxic they can tra- contain tropane alkaloids i did you know what that is drew you're the you're our chemist forensic tropane scientist alkaloids tropane alkaloids they're like a category of like agents i guess i don't know i'm not a scientist yeah i guess uh, i don't i'd have to look up the structure to really get, get right. an idea of what it would look like that's all right um, so yeah, so the berries and leaves are very toxic, but the roots are the worst of all. And I can give you the order of a, a toxicity. Roots are the worst. They have like a 1.3% concentration, which is plenty enough to fuck you up. Uh, wow. Leaves are like 1.2%. Berries are 0.7. The stalks of the plant are 0.65. Flowers are 0.6. And the seeds are the least toxic at 0.4, but even they will fuck you up. Jeez, um, this thing is so- made to kill. Kind of, yeah. So it's so toxic that if bees make honey out of it, you literally can't eat the honey. Otherwise, you'll get sick. Uh, wow. Whoa. Yeah. Guys, write these notes for when we're all evil witches in the woods. This <laughs> yes. one, this is our plant. This is the one. <laughs> the plant. 
If you do eat the honey, you can expect things like dizziness, nausea, vomiting, convulsion, headaches, heart palpitations, and you guessed it, potential death. Hey. I was gonna say diarrhea. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm Probably. sure there's diarrhea. Probably mixed in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> diarrhea more, death. I do have more symptoms going to actually no opposite constipation. Oh. <laughs> I think, can't I win think, them all. I think one of the agents like literally dries you out. Like it makes <laughs> you like. <laughs> So the berries pose the highest risk to children for obvious reason because they're very attractive and, you know, they look like little black cherries, except they're obviously not black cherries, but children don't know. If you eat, if a child eats two berries, they will likely die. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. And it takes around 10 to 20, depending on, you know, your physical stature and whatnot as an adult to um, end your life as well. Just the berries. And remember, the berries are only 0.6%. Wow. No, I'm sorry, 0.7%, whereas the roots are 0.1, or 1.3. Man, numbers are hard. Um, we could just say very, 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 kind of very toxic. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, other symptoms of Belladonna poisoning include dilated pupils. This is a big one. We're going to go back to this one. Sensitivity to light, blurred vision, tachycardia, which is increased heart rate, loss of balance, staggering, rash, flushing, severely dry mouth and throat, slurred speech, urinary retention, constipation, confusion, hallucination, and delirium. So it's not a good time. Um, (laughs) I was just about to say it sounds like a good time. (laughs) No, no, no. We'll get into that as well. However, it's not all bad news. Uh, If you do happen to get belladonna poisoning... um, Atropine, I believe, is the active agent that really screws you up. And like, if you report it and go to the hospital, you will likely get an antidote because they're readily available everywhere. You just need to actually be aware of what's happening and like go to the hospital. Yeah. Wow. So it's, don't it, be shy. Don't you know if you ate something you should not have eaten? Yeah. You got to tell them. It's it's rare for people to die from belladonna poisoning these days because the antidotes are available everywhere for it. Um, and then interestingly, it's fa- it's I mean it can be fatal to humans, but Animal, like wildlife, can eat these berries without problem. Like the seeds are spread uh, via, you know, bird droppings. Birds have no problem. Domestic animals like cows, horses, rabbits, goats, sheep, they are totally fine with it. And yet our pets like, um, you know, cats or dogs, if they eat it, they will probably get paralyzed and potentially die not fun wow so why is there such a huge difference i don't know i i I probably could have looked more into it but i already have enough as is so yeah Yeah. don't don't feed your berries to your pets any berries to your pets that come from the outside unless you you are positive they are wild blueberries don't take that chance either pretty sure that's also poisonous pretty sure pets should not eat blueberries no blueberries are really good for your dogs and cats even what don't tell my cats they'll be like where's our blueberries yeah they, they 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 put blueberries in those like fancy rich people mixes. It's ridiculous. So let's jump to medicine because actually Belladonna has a really long history of medicine that goes back to, I believe, the first century I read. The first century. First century. Yes. So let's see what I got here. Yeah. So one active agent within Belladonna, uh, Belladonna's deadly tropin alkaloid cocktail is atropine. Are you familiar with that, Drew? No. No. I mean, I, I'm 
I didn't expect it to be. There's like a million compounds out there, but yeah, <laughs> atropine, uh, which has proven to be quite useful in medicine for almost 200 years now, since it was isolated and purified from the plant in 1833. Diluted atropine can be used to treat nerve agents, pesticide poisonings, and slowed heart rates. In fact, there's even some new research saying that atropine, like from belladonna, can help revive a person whose heart has stopped beating because oh. it, it increases your heart rate so much. So wow. perhaps not a killer after all, perhaps a saver. <laughs> <laughs> Giveth um, and taketh away. For real. Um, it can also be used to decrease saliva production during surgeries, which is kind of important if you don't want people to, you know, choke on their own spit. Uh, what else? What else? It can... Uh, Treat excessive sweating, which I'm sure some of us listeners here <laughs> suffer from. And it can even minimize or outright prevent the death rattle of a dying patient, if you know what that is. You know, like like hours or like a, a day. I don't know if it's days, but like, I, I'll, let's say days to hours before a person dies, their lungs start to kind of basically fill with fluid and collapse. And yeah. you get this like really gross like <laughs> sound. Um, which is very disturbing and not pleasant, I'm sure, to feel. But yeah, atropine can apparently prevent that from happening, which is some nice dignity before death kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. like you said, it dries you out. It dries you out, yeah. <laughs> dries um, you out for when you die. So according to the National Museum of Civil War Medicine, and this is a quote, belladonna can, uh, could be used to treat a variety of ailments such as Neuralgias, whooping cough, scarlet fever, spasmodic asthma, intestinal cramps, and to dilate the pupil of the eyes. Um, it was also a staple of the American Civil War medicine kit, which soldiers carried around with them. That's pretty cool. And then, of course, we have alternative herbal medicine, which is still popular today with many people for obvious reasons, because, like, you know, pharmaceuticals can, can be pretty bad. Belladonna has been used in herbal medicine for centuries as pain reliever, as, as a pain reliever, muscle relaxer and anti-inflammatory agent and to treat menstrual problems, peptic ulcer disease, which is just like stomach ulcers, histaminic reactions, and motion sickness. So hmm. this, this, so you this... Can, can you get it over the counter? So there, okay. So what I researched said in Germany, you can get it as a prescribed thing from pharmacies, but this was from 1992. And I have a feeling three decades later, that might not be the case. <laughs> <laughs> Who abused the belladonna? I can't say everyone. I don't know. Although it is like, you can, you can find it in like homeopathic things. Cause you know, those are, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. That, that's that's something to delve into a little bit further if you're interested in treating yourself with some belladonna, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to knock it till I try it. That's right. But maybe this will just sway you. So it's also got kind of uh, not actually, yeah, probably a long history of recreational drug use and and spiritual drug use for things like shamanism. One of the earliest mentions of the deadly nightshade, which is the other other name for a belladonna, um, comes from Greek and Roman records of the gods Dionysus and Bacchus, which are basically the same god, but just one is Greek and one is Roman, and their respective cults, who indulged in wine drinking, festivities, and ecstasy. It is rumored that some of these wines were infused with belladonna to induce um, hallucinations and mind-altering effects, which 
Sounds like it's up their alley. And then, yep, throughout the millennia, Baladana has been used for both recreational and spiritual purposes, but the effects and hallucinations experienced are said to be very, very unpleasant. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh no. So, so this, this is going back to, like, you don't... You find something more fun. Um, <laughs> and they obviously pose the danger of overdosing and dying as well, so that's not cool. Uh, it's said that major and primary effects can last three to four hours, while visual hallucinations from it can linger as long as three to four days. <gasps> and then on top of that, longer lasting negative after effects can take even more days to clear up. So you don't want to touch <laughs> this as a fun party drug. No. Wow, Fuck. that's that's pretty bad. It just stays in your system for so Can you so imagine long. just seeing things for three days straight? No, that would be really fucking miserable. It would be. I, I can would, understand I for, like, really shamanism. Dying. Yeah, but, like, not for fun. So we can jump to cosmetics. And unfortunately, this is a little shorter than I would like it to be because I thought there was going to be more uses than one. But it is a fun one. I mean, in a, in a sick and twisted kind of way, I suppose. Oh, no, <laughs> so in 1471, Italian beauties began using Atropa Belladonna as an eye drop because it contained the aforementioned atropine agent, which diluted their pupils and made them appear more attractive and seductive to men. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This was Wait, considered... Was Sorry. Wasn't this around the same time that it was also attractive to look like an egg? <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Like an egg with huge eyes? I think that's what the beauty standard was. Straight up aliens. <laughs> straight up like men from Mars or little little green dudes from Mars. Except they all wanted to be the super white. Oh my god. Uh, really white eggs. Yeah. Uh, so this was considered one of the heights of beauty during the Renaissance era. Big dilated pupils. And you know what? Funny enough, I know in like South Korea and many other countries and probably in our own country, people put in those like giant, what are they called? Like the contacts with the big, big pupils. I have no idea. You don't yeah, know? Yeah, I would just call them contact lenses. No, they have like a specific name and it's like, they look really cool actually. Like if you, like I know drag queens use them a lot. Like they'll put like the big dilated contacts in and they look really cool, but you know, contacts at least to some degree, are safe, whereas you don't want to be dropping poison Drop into your eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as you can imagine, the prolonged use of these eye drops um, caused blindness. So a lot of these Italian blue, uh, beauties apparently just went blind after using it for so long. Oh my god. But like, I feel like that that's somehow like a fable or a moral to be like, oh, you were vain, now you're blind. I know, right? <laughs> now you'll never you see your beauty. Oh my god. Wow. True. There's a famous painting called Woman with a Mirror. Um, I mean, the internet said it's famous. I've never heard of it. But then again, I guess I'm not into like art history. Um, made by the famous, uh, no, made by the artist Titian from 1515. Um, and it's thought to depict a lady who has used Belladonna to enhance the beauty of her eyes. And if you want to go into Bibness chat, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the third image down with the mirror behind her. Oh, okay. It, it is believed that the little the little container she's grasping on the bottom of that painting is the Belladonna eye drop. For those of you listening along, you can head right over to Go Ask Alice Pod on Twitter and you can see the image yourselves. It's a pretty nice image. It is good. It's good yeah. painting. Someone Tishin did, did a job. good job. Yeah. 
And um, as you can imagine, Belladonna is not used as a cosmetic, co- cosmetic these days whatsoever because you don't want to go blind. Yeah, that's true. And then we will jump into Poison, which is my favorite and last part of the Belladonna series here. So while it does have its medicinal uses, it has a much more obvious poisonous property that has actually been observed and exploited by early humans who have coated their arrows with the toxic plant to help with hunting animals and tribal warfare. Wow. I know, right? Early humans. This is like... Basically pre-civilization. That's brilliant. And they found this out like forever ago. That's so brilliant. I can't even remember to do that in Skyrim. (laughs) Poison your your weapons. Uh, In the first century Roman Empire, notorious poison maker Lacusta is rumored to have provided Agrippina the Younger, a poison made from Atropa Belladonna, to kill her husband, Emperor Claudius, which she apparently succeeded in doing. Um, I believe it was... It's argued whether she gave him poisoned mushrooms or mushrooms that also had melodonna in it, but all the same, she killed him. She killed his ass. Murder's murder. <laughs> Murder's murdered. Um, similarly, there is a famous rumor with Livia Drusilla, who I think is a more famous name from ancient Rome, who killed her husband, Emperor Augustus Caesar, a.k.a. Octavian, in 14 AD. And she did this, apparently Octavian was very paranoid about being poisoned, so he like really like refused to touch anything from the kitchens unless like a poison taster or whatever ate, ate it first. So apparently she, she smeared Belladonna all over freshly picked figs from outside and gave those to him and he ate them and died soon after. Whoa, Whoa. she must have fucking hated him. For real. <laughs> And then we have Shakespeare famous, or Shakespeare's famous play Macbeth, which most of us are familiar with to one degree or another, where the Scottish king poisons his enemy's liquor with deadly nightshade to gain the upper hand in his fight with the Danes. Apparently, this is based on real-life events where he did the same thing. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Okay, I know this is like a while back, but did you say that one of the people in this list of stories was a famous poison maker yeah lacusta what a badass thing to be known for she (laughs) makes poisons lacusta i'm still thinking about it i know there's there's another woman like lacusta and another woman i'm gonna mention soon who deserve their own segments on this show i oh absolutely so cool um but before that uh, back to Rome. I'm, I don't know why I'm obsessed with Rome. This is like probably going to be like the fifth time I'm mentioning Rome on this podcast. Not this particular one, but like across all of the episodes. Rome's awesome. Gene, I'm um, telling you, this podcast does things to you. Like you I learn know. things about yourself you weren't really interested in learning and now you know. It's great. We love it. Um, we don't. But, 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 but Romans, it was actually very common or somewhat common for Romans to just poison their enemies constantly and Belladonna was one of the agents that they used to do it. Um, and now we're going to jump to my favorite thing about my topic, which is um, Julia Tofana. Have you, have either of you heard of her before? No, no. Oh my God. Julia Tofana from the 17th century in Italy. She apparently helped over 600 oppressed wives, oppressed and abused wives, kill their husbands via poisoning. Before she, she got yeah <laughs> yes by making her famous tincture aqua tofana which was actually how do you say this basically the church like blessed ointments and gave them out to people to use to like you know like heal through the power of God blah 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 she 
disguised Aqua Tofana as these ointments so their husbands and no one else would suspect it of being poison. It was originally actually a powdered mix, which included arsenic, lead, and belladonna, but then she refined it over time to make it this liquid tincture that would be even less conspicuous than the powder. And all it took was four drops to kill someone with this mix of lead, arsenic, and belladonna. And she helped hundreds of women kill off husbands. That is, their husbands. That is spicy. Yeah, she deserves her own segment. She really does. And it was tasteless, colorless, odorless, like the perfect untraceable murder tool. Do you know how long that continued for? Because this sounds like what's also in the Count of Monte Cristo. I don't know. I I really, like, I was like, I was going to do a deep delve into her, but I was like, no, that's a completely different topic. So I'm just going to leave that (laughs) at the bare minimum if anyone ever wants to go back. Oh, God, that's really cool. It's so cool. Can you imagine? I mean, like, it's horrible also, but, like, she's a mass <laughs> yeah. murder. She's actually known as, like, one of the original mass serial killers because of it. Jesus. But, like, okay, do you know if any of these wives got caught for poisoning their husbands? Like, I, I imagine. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I know she ended up eventually getting caught and, you know, they, they threw her away and ended up, I think, killing her for it. But I don't know if the wives ever actually got caught themselves. Wow, what a fucking badass. Some, something worth going back to. Guys, chemistry can be badass. It's crazy. Chemistry's always badass. What are you talking about? It can, it can be. And now a quick promo from one of our friends. The definition of weird is suggesting something is supernatural or uncanny. While the definition of distraction is a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. Mix both of those words together, add a millennial with a mic, and you have Weird Distractions Podcast. Weird Distractions is a weekly true crime, paranormal, conspiracy theory podcast hosted by me, Alex. Each week, I tell you what I need a distraction from before diving into a topic to help me distract myself from, well, whatever is going on. My hope is that you too can get a distraction from tuning in and maybe learn something on the way. From haunted hospitals to cold cases and every bizarre online theory in between, there's a little something for every weirdo out there. If this sounds up your alley, then join me every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform or search Weird Distractions Podcast on any social media account. Need a distraction? I got you. Yeah, so this week I ended up on the topic of asbestos, and I first wanted to uh, ask both of you if you've ever interacted, not interacted with, but have ever really heard of asbestos, have ever really had to deal with asbestos, anything like that. Have you, have either of you had to deal with that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Really? Of course. (laughs) Of course. Yes. Uh, I I have a little backstory. So I grew up in Russia, as you know, and Mm -hmm. um, the apartments we lived in apparently had asbestos in them. So I might be fucked. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't want to say yes to that, but (laughs) yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, asbestos is really, really fucking dangerous. Yeah, my my grandmother died from a bunch of cancers, but like it was colon cancer, I think, and they linked it basically to asbestos exposure. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Basically, Our I schools mean, growing up all had asbestos in them. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh my god. Yep. That's uh well if it's if it's not if it's handled properly, it's okay. But if it's not handled properly, that's when you get that's when it becomes extremely dangerous. Um 
But do you have to be touching it, or is it like also in the air? Well, what the the dangerous part of it is if you rub it or you you know you hit it abrasive, I hit it abrasively. I guess if you what's the word for that? <laughs> like rub it. Yeah, I guess if you rub aggressively. It, yeah, if you aggressively rub it, um, Spank that's it? when spa- Yeah. <laughs> No, Lindsay. <laughs> Get your if mind you sp- out of the gutter, Lindsay. If you spank as best as you may be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> but if if you like if you interact with it improperly, then it releases all these little fibers into the air, and that's what's so dangerous about it is those little fibers. But yeah, those little tiny fibers. But as I said, I'm I'm pretty sure we're all a little familiar with with uh, with asbestos and just how extremely dangerous it is as a building material um, because it causes a whole different range of a whole range of different things if it's handled improperly but asbestos is not only a building material it can also be used in a huge array of different things and it was really considered to be the material of the future when it was first actively being used so it wasn't it was it was like it was so i mean it has so many great different properties about it that can be used for so many different things that people just wanted to use it all over the place. I mean, it was used in like car brakes. It was used because it has great heat absorption. It was used in piping. It was used all over the place just because it was just so, had so many great physical properties. But, you know, the dangers it poses to people really limited its use once the once it was basically realized that it caused all these different conditions. People were just like, oh, don't want to use this anymore because it sucks. <laughs> so That's so interesting because like I've only ever known as of asbestos as like this horrible thing that'll like eventually kill you if you're exposed I, and i never knew i was like why is it everywhere then is it just like some natural thing that happened after like people put plaster up and it like transformed into asbestos? i had no idea well it's it was really looked at as like the future of of building material because it had so many of these great properties and and was so it was so easily found and so it was just like such a robust material. So basically everyone, like in the 19th century, everyone wanted to use asbestos because asbestos was so great. Even like just, just as a side note that I found very funny, um, I talked to a theater director and he, he told me that they used to, for fake snow, like if they wanted to have snow fall from the ceiling, they'd, they'd grind asbestos up into these little fine like fine powder <laughs> and release that above the stage and that was how they used to do fake snow which is literally probably the worst way you could use asbestos like right? ever the worst way <laughs> is absolutely the worst way you could use it is grinding it up and then they'd like sprinkle it from the ceiling and that that was so that's that's what made me think of asbestos fake snow was that it, you know that makes a lot more sense it's now, a yeah. christmas miracle it's a christmas miracle but I, I really wanted to um, first describe kind of what asbestos is because I know a lot of people are familiar with it but may not really know that it's actually a naturally occurring substance. Um, so asbestos is, as I said, a naturally occurring fibrous silicate material uh, that comes in six types, but all types are composed of long, thin, fibrous crystals. So basically it's just like this very long, thin fibers that, that are naturally is it like, occurring. Is it like fiberglass? I would say it's pretty similar to fiberglass. Like, you know, building insulation now that we have. Yeah, I would say it's pretty similar to fiberglass. I'd say they're 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 pretty they're pretty similar. Um, I okay. think one kind of you was replaced like the the fiberglass we use now is used to replace the the asbestos that we used previously. And um, so these fibers, like these fibrous crystals, they contain the microscopic fibrils, 
uh, which can be released into the atmosphere by abrasion or any other process that basically rubs against it. And that's what makes asbestos so dangerous is those little fibrils because those get caught in your lungs and those cause all different kinds of cancers and, and just anything under the sun can basically be caused by asbestos. So it's, it's really, really dangerous. But interestingly, archaeologists, archaeologists have studied, have found that asbestos was being used as far back as the Stone Age uh, to strengthen ceramic pots, um, but then, you know, large-scale mining of the material didn't start until the 19th century, where asbestos was determined to have favorable physical characteristics. Basically, it was it was used. It's been used throughout history, but once people found that it did all these great things, they were just like, "Well, let's mine the crap out of this. Like, this is the the material of the future." So, as I said, asbestos is an excellent insulator, uh, electrical insulator, and is highly fire resistant. So for much of the 20th century, it was very commonly used across the world as a building material. So like pipes and different things would be made out of asbestos because it was just so fire resistant and, and it was an excellent insulator and it was just a very solid material. So people, it's readily available too, so people would just use that. But then in the 1970s, the adverse effects on human health were widely acknowledged. And uh, though many modern buildings constructed in the 1980s contain asbestos, Buildings before that and up until the 1980s can, contained asbestos because it was just so ubiquitous, disincentivized to use it until basically the, the 1980s. That's when it really, really hammered down and stopped. So that's that's kind of it's it's a real problem. So people knew it was bad at this point, but they were like, but it's still too good not to use. Yeah, it, it took laws to really make it so that people were just like, oh, not, not going to use this anymore. Like it, wow. it took a lot. It took a because, I mean, the material is so useful and so readily available. Why, you know, people people just really wanted to use it. Uh, so as of now, asbestos is for construction and fireproofing is made illegal uh, in many countries. Uh, but despite this effort to reduce the use of asbestos, at least 100,000 people a each year die from diseases related to asbestos exposure. So Damn. it's it's a lot of people are still dying from asbestos exposure because it's just, I mean, it was so ubiquitous. So that's, it's just, it's, it's still a huge problem. How do you even trace it? Like, you know, say someone dies of cancer, how do you determine that it was caused by asbestos? I'm not 100% sure. I'm sure there's a way to, to back, like trace it back to, uh, to like exposure. But yeah. really, could you... Could you see it in their lungs? It, it's probably inferred based on like um, just like the history and details that patients fill out. Because yeah. I know I've I've had to fill out things where it's like, have you had asbestos exposure? And I'm like, I hope not. <laughs> but then like I'm I'm pretty sure I have because I lived you know in those apartments back in Russia where it, yeah. it was definitely found and then eventually removed. But by then I already had potential exposure. So yeah, and the the other problem with this is that the consequences of exposure can take decades to actually arise. So it's not right. just like an instant thing where you know you get exposed and then you're, you're 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 in trouble. It's like you know it takes a decade or more to to arise in your system. So it's just a it's it's a huge problem because it's just like so used and then it's just so dangerous. I, it's it's just a big problem, but. Many developing countries still actually use asbestos as a building material, and mine asbestos is mining of asbestos is still ongoing, with the top producer being Russia, actually, oh. with an estimated oh, production Russia. of yeah seven hundred ninety thousand tons as of two thousand twenty-two. I'm oh, sorry, twenty twenty. So mm. it's producing a hell of a lot of asbestos, which my country of origin doesn't make good decisions. <laughs> But now we want to get into a little history of asbestos because I want to move away from the depressing. <laughs> Use of asbestos Aww. in our what? 
Um, He's so sweet. So our story begins 4,500 years ago. It's a really fucking long time ago where inhabitants of Eastern Finland would actually strengthen earthenware pots and cooking utensils with asbestos minerals so that instead of, um, instead of burning or, you know, being affected by fire at all, it would just like, it would just be fine because asbestos is so fire resistant. So that, that's kind of cool. Did not expect that to start in Finland. Yeah, right? In I, Finland. I know, right? Yeah. I was, I was like, was watch, weird? watch, we're going we're gonna to bring up Rome again. No. Well, we actually are definitely going to bring up Rome again. Oh, but okay. but, but uh, I think it was first It was first found in Finland. Um, I'm not sure if it originated in Finland specifically, but I'm, I'm, I think it was found archaeologically in Finland. And then one of the first descriptions of the material of, of asbestos comes to us from 3000 BC, or sorry, 300 BC. Uh, though it is still not 100% sure if the material that's being described is asbestos. But if it is asbestos, this is one of the very early descriptions of the material and its uses. So 300 BC, that's like first being described, which is ridiculous. And then uh, when it comes to the actual language of you, like, like the, the word for asbestos, both modern and ancient Greek uh, use the term aminatos or pure. Um, which was adopted in French, the Aminate, and then Spanish Aminato, uh, which is basically all kind of derived from the term pure, um, which I found very cool that, that they look at this material as so pure. and Yeah, like that's totally not the connotation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for right. asbestos, yeah. So the actual term asbestos is traceable to the Roman natural, uh, naturalist Pliny the Elder. <gasps> Fuck it, this oh, guy fucking again! Pliny. Yeah. yeah, Pliny the Elder. He, uh, his first century manuscript, Natural History, detailed the material and its uses. Um, he used the term asbestion, which means unquenchable. And Wait, so this was Amphisbena Man, wasn't it? Was it Amphisbena Man? I'm pretty sure it you, was. Yeah, because I remember saying his naturalist historia or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, I think it was Amphisbena check. Man. No, no, Pliny, blah, 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 Pliny, Plano, Plano, Pliny. Pliny, 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 Pliny. So great. So this is a good book, actually. But guys, I know your reading list is really long, but let's add to the bottom of it this asbestos amphibana. <laughs> yeah. Got some good shit in here. I bet there's nightshade. I bet. Probably in there. I bet there's all kinds of poison in there. No doubt about it. So actually, uh, Pliny, his, he and Pliny the Younger um, were credited with recognizing the detrimental effects of asbestos on human beings. First, they were first, they were said to have first recognized it. But wait, 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 wait. This is way back in 300 BC? Well, around? here's the problem. <laughs> yeah, around 300 BC. Uh, wait, when, did it, when was this? No, I think this was AD. I forget exactly when. I didn't write it down. A long ass time ago. Long point. ass time ago. <laughs> um, but the thing was, it was only believed that they, that, they th- that they recognized the detrimental effects. Well, when you actually look at the primary sources, they, don't, they didn't recognize it at all. So uh. it's... so they definitely didn't realize there were detrimental effects to asbestos. They were just only describing the material and its uses. So okay. it, it, was, um, it was thought that they did, but they definitely did not. Um, and then when we get to Egypt in 1318, um, it was written, and this is a quote, the natural property of fire is to burn. Suppose then that there's a substance such as the Indian asbestos is said to be, which has no fear of being burnt, 
but rather displayed the impotence of fire by proving itself unburnable. If anyone doubted the truth of this, all they need to do is wrap themselves in the substance in question and then touch fire. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just got to chill. <laughs> no. All you need to do is wrap yourself in asbestos. It's all good. Cheat God. Cheat God. Touch fire. <laughs> That's like the new, the, the, new, the new touch grass is touch fire. Wrap yourself in asbestos and touch, touch fire. Touch fire. But here's something really, really funny that that I just I I just like I couldn't stop laughing at. So asbestos became a party trick for Persians, where they would amaze guests by cleaning cloth by exposing it to fire. So what they would do is they'd have a napkin made of asbestos. They'd wipe their face and then throw it into the fire, and the fire would burn everything off of it except for the asbestos. So the napkin was fine, and they would just. <laughs> It was just a party trick of just like, oh, I threw it in the fire. Watch this. <laughs> oh, my God. Directly on your face. That, yeah. Yep. You can't get worse than that. So, Wait, so like, <laughs> would like the food and stuff burn off and then it comes yeah. out clean? Yep, exactly. Oh, my God. That's really cool. So even Persian kings would entertain their guests by throwing napkins into the fire to clean them. Wipe your face and throw it in the fire. <laughs> Oh live God! Live fast, I would... die young. Live fast, die young. For real. And then Charlemagne, our our good friend Charlemagne, uh, is said to have had a tablecloth made of asbestos, which is very interesting. So I just I found it very funny that people love making cloth out of asbestos and like uh, pretending to burn it. <laughs> just like that was their favorite thing. Uh, so some archaeologists believe that the ancients would actually shroud us would you would make shrouds of asbestos where they would they would use it to burn bodies of their kings to preserve only the ashes of the king. So instead of burning like instead of having wood and, and all the like combustible material being like tainting the ashes. The basically the the king's ashes would be purely, purely maintained within the asbestos, and you wouldn't have any like wood or any other contaminants in there from the funeral pyres. So I just found that very cool that that's that was one believed use of asbestos. It's very thoughtful, yeah. And then uh, others believe that the ancients used asbestos to make um, perpetual wicks for lamps. Uh, which is funny enough because in the centuries later, asbestos was actually used for this type of wick. So that's like a, totally a, how you got here. Exactly, that's exactly how I got here. From candles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we move into the industrial era, um, in which large-scale mining of the material became sort of the norm. People even tried to make a market for asbestos paper and cloth, but these markets never really fully took off because they're not great. <laughs> but. I mean, not not because of the uh, not because of the the human factor, because that wasn't that wasn't a factor yet, but because of uh, they just they just so so basically, um, asbestos was mined throughout the world, from Canada to Italy to Russia to even the U.S. over in Staten Island, I believe. That's this is a little close to our stomping ground. Um, but basically, right. basically anywhere uh, where there was asbestos to mine, people mined it. That's just what it came down to. And then, of course, railroads made it so that you could transport asbestos. So it just kind of became all throughout the world. There's a ton of different, like, ton of information on the specific companies that produced asbestos products throughout the world in the Wikipedia article. So if you're interested, definitely give it a look. Because I didn't really want to go specifically into, like, oh, this company did this, this company did this. So um, I really wanted to kind of keep it more basic. But basically, the use of asbestos became increasingly widespread towards the end of the uh, 19th century. Uh, with its diverse applications, including fire-resistant coatings, concrete, bricks, pipes, fireplace cement, heat, fire, and acid-resistant gaskets, pipe insulation, and just a ton more just incredible uses for this material. And then, of course, we get to the point where 
uh, more and more information came out of for about asbestos being extremely dangerous, you know, could do some serious harm to humans. So the production, mining, and use of asbestos, use of asbestos really began to drop off. But it took many papers and investigations to actually move people away from the use of the material. But once it was really in place just how dangerous this material was, then that's when laws started to be made to prevent the use of asbestos. So it just kind of all built on top of each other. It wasn't like just like a straight path to, oh, asbestos is dangerous. Stop using it. It was like, oh, you had to, you know, get laws. You had to have tons of evidence. You had to have tons of papers saying how dangerous it is. And then that's when it became, you know, stop being used. Ain't and that just the way? Ain't that just the way? And, and of right. course, once laws start getting involved, that's when things really begin to shift away from asbestos. I, it's, an, it's an incredibly dangerous material, but it's still an incredible material when, when it comes down to it. Just like the amount of properties it has that are just so useful. It just really sucks that it's so dangerous to humans. That's kind of asbestos in a nutshell. You know, there's so much more to this Wikipedia article that I couldn't cover. Um, but if you're interested, please go read more. It's super cool. Yeah, that's that's my little rant about asbestos. So I hope you enjoyed it. You're very responsible and mature way to wrap that up. Let's end it on that. That's a good yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, just to recap here, we did natural occurring deadly flowers and deadly blueberries. No. <laughs> 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 uh, I was totally off the mark with asbestos because I thought that was kind of man-made, but it's also naturally occurring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that too. We learned so yeah. much today. Re- like seriously, yeah. And I'm I'm going to take us all down several notches. Uh, <laughs> 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 but mind you, same same click radius from from candles. My topic for you is Shaggy Peter. I could not get a good practice in for the German pronunciation, but it's Der Stufelpeter. <laughs> that sounds extremely authentic. That sounds good. You're good. Thanks, because last time um, last time I tried to speak German, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, we're moving on. All right. It's a couple weeks before Christmas. Put yourself like in, in the mindset, right? A couple weeks before Christmas and you still have not bought your Christmas presents yet. And remember, people do not fucking change. So the year is 1845, but it may as well be this year. It's a couple years before. So maybe important to know, you can't just order something online. A couple weeks before Christmas, you got to get your kid a present. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What yeah. Do you do? Well, it'd be really nice to get your kid something that's like educational and sweet and, you know, wholesome. You know, you want your kid to have a good, you know, even though the notion of a childhood doesn't really exist for another 50, 60, 70, 80 years. <laughs> like, you know, you've got your little kid at home. You want like, you know, little Heinrich, because your name is Heinrich Hoffman. You want little Heinrich to have a nice little Christmas present. So, If you're Heinrich Hoffman in the year 1845, right before Christmas, with no present to give your child, you sit down and illustrate and write one of the very first illustrated children's books. Oh. Oh my God. All right. I like where this is going. (laughs) The story of Del Stufel Peter, or Shock-Headed Peter, or Shaggy Peter, the English translations, not only one of the first children's books to be illustrated, but it is also one of the first comic books ever written. (laughs) They think they, well, some people, I think I, the comic book community is like full of such people who are highly opinionated and very passionate. And I do not mean to step a toe into that ring. So I'm not even going to speculate on whether or not that aspect is true, but that's according to Wikipedia. (laughs) 
Uh, Shaggy Peter was not actually the name of the book. The name of the book was Funny Stories and Droll Pictures with 15 Beautifully Colored Panels for Children 3 to 6 Years. Oh, oh, very German in that it's descriptive <laughs> and like gets very to the point. And yeah, that was like... one word in German. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a German joke right there. <laughs> German listeners, we apologize. <laughs> German listeners, we are constantly sorry. As tut mir leid. But uh, the story, so basically what happened was this guy like wrote this book for his kid and uh, his friends were like, this is really good. You should publish this. And then, of course, once it was published, everyone was like, that title's not going to work. So the, the book itself is actually a series of tiny stories. And the first one is about shock-headed Peter. So if you look in spoilers where I first put that picture of this person with wild hair and scissor looking like fingers... <laughs> that is shock-headed Peter. That is the first story. Believe it or not, what you're actually seeing is uncombable hair and very long fingernails. It's not scissors, but my favorite story of all of them is one that involves scissors. And that is how I got to this wiki article. From candle, I went to like ways to snuff out a candle. And one of them is like scissors. And then I got into like the history of scissors and that's what actually led me to Struffle Peter because it is the introduction into Western literature of the tailor or scissor man. Oh, scissor man. Yeah. So it was kind of funny. The wiki article for scissors has like a whole like in popular culture section. I'm like, why? <laughs> why does that happen? And of course, like Edward Scissorhands is there and shit like that. But that's how I got to Struffle Peter. But regardless, um, I wanted to share with you, it, it's about, I think, 10 stories, and each of them are just these little poems that are cute. But let, let's come back to our context and our, our setting. It's the mid-1800s, and this is when it was like, children aren't children, tiny little mini-humans who go to work and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the good old days. The good, you know, back when things were right. Um, <laughs> these stories are super fucked up. Oh, yes. Very violent. Oh, yes. <laughs> so almost all of them are meant to be kind of allegorical, like, you know, listen to your parents and do as you're told, otherwise you'll fucking die. So a couple of them are like, don't play with matches because this girl did and she burned to death. And that's probably my favorite illustration. I found the book on Project Gutenberg and I'm going to read to you one of the stories as is. But the illustrations are like cats crying pools of tears because this girl burned herself to death. <laughs> cats? Uh, another one is the story of Fidgety Philip. <laughs> oh no, poor we Fidgety Philip. We all know a Fidgety Philip in our real real lives yeah being a fidgety philip he's rocking back and back and forth in his seat at the dinner table and accidentally knocked all the dinner plates off and his parents were very displeased oh fidgety that one he didn't die <laughs> uh, Shame. one of my f favorites is that uh there was this kid or a group of children who were making fun of a darker skinned boy and so a i don't know what to call it he Nicholas or uh, Agrippa, which I wonder if it's a reference to um, Cornelius Agrippa, the magician, but the, this man dips them in a giant vat of black ink and turns the boys like completely pitch black 
who were making fun of the darker skinned kid. So even in 1845, it was like, hey, don't be a racist piece of shit. shit. I love (laughs) that. That's super good. Way to go, Germany. Another really cute one with really good illustrations was the story of the Wild Huntsman, which is where a rabbit steals a hunter's musket and glasses and hunts the hunter. It's kind of like Bugs Bunny. (laughs) Oh my God, it totally is like Bugs Bunny. It's really cute. The pictures are really cute. And it's, you know, just the wiki, like, little blurb says, the hare's child, so the bunny's child, is burned by hot coffee, and the hunter jumps into a well. Aw, poor boy. (laughs) These stories were so popular that one of the authors near and dear to my heart, who's the the writer of uh, Pippi Longstocking, what was her name? Astrid Lindgren. Who wrote Pippi Longstocking? Yeah, he makes reference to the book, but also uh, Mark Twain translated the book himself. But because of uh, copyright issues, it couldn't be published until like 1925, long after he was dead. So oh, wow. a lot of people in history, yeah, have enjoyed this book, and it really is kind of a, a cornerstone of like children's stories. And I think really the rhymes are pretty fun. So I saved for you the story of Little Suck a Thumb. <laughs> wait, wait, I think I've heard of this. What? Have you really? <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard of this. This story is about a little boy who sucks his thumb, and it is the story that introduces the scissor man or the tailor <laughs> into. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of this. Drew, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> How do you know this? I think, I think partially this is referenced in The Office. Absolutely referenced in The Office. Yes, it is! Because Dwight is reading it! Yes, he's reading it. This is referenced in The Office, but I feel like I've actually heard this story from my grandparents. Wow! (laughs) That's amazing. So you're absolutely right. In The Office, Season 2, Episode 18, Take Your Daughter to Work Day, Dwight Schrute reads the story of Johnny Head in the Air and the story of the Thumbsucker to the Children. It's also referenced in Family Guy and Doctor Who. Mm. I've, def- I've watched a lot of Family Guy. I don't think I've ever seen that episode then. The ninth episode of the eighth season. I have no idea. Now, yeah. if you watch it, you'll you'll know the reference. That's that's so funny because literally I'm like, oh, I don't care about any of that. I'm just interested in like Pippi Longstocking and Mark Twain. And <laughs> it's like I should have like fucking brought up like the actual contemporary example. <laughs> well, would you like to hear the story of Little Suck a Thumb? Absolutely. Okay. One day, Mama said, Conrad, dear, I must go out and leave you here. But mind now, Conrad, what I say, don't suck your thumb while I'm away. The great tall tailor always comes to little boys who suck their thumbs. And ere they dream what he's about, he takes his great sharp scissors out and cuts their thumb clean off. And then, you know, they never grow again. Mama had scarcely turned her back. The thumb was in. Alack, alack, the door flew open, in he ran, the great long red-legged scissor man. Oh, children, see, the tailors come, and caught out little suck-a-thumb. Snip, snap, snip, the scissors go, and Conrad cries out, oh, oh, oh. Snip, snap, snip, they go so fast, and both his thumbs are cut off at last. Mama comes home, there Conrad stands, and looks quite sad, and shows his hands. Ah, said Mama, I knew he'd come to naughty little suck-a-thumb. What the fuck? (laughs) 
what a what a way to traumatize your kids. It's, it's the last panel is this child standing there with his arms just at his side, and he just doesn't have thumbs on his hands. I have stand. so many questions. <laughs> First of all, this scissor man is just waiting, <laughs> like right there, ready to bust in and be like, "I fucking caught you with your thumb in your mouth, you little bitch!" Snip, snip, snip! Like what the fuck? Also, both thumbs. <laughs> gotta go i just popped in business or you can head over to go out oh, pod on twitter <laughs> look <at> that. <gasps> that's awful and amazing and so many other things oh my god it looks like a little ballet dance between the two of them there's this giant pair of scissors and then everyone's got their little pointed toes out like oh it's, it's very whimsical I'll, I'll give it that but it's also fucking crazy <laughs> like <laughs> it, it's he's straight up busting in like i caught you i fucking caught you you were warned this is I'm waiting in the closet there's there, there's definitely some level of demonicness here this whole book is super disturbing i do want to also share with you the really cute this is the one of the rabbit stealing Aww. the musket and it's got Hell little yeah. pizzas i love that he also needs the glasses <laughs> As, as, as a vegan and anti-hunter this gives me life very good it's very good so i'll be sure to post all of these very funny illustrations uh, all over the place another really good one that you'll love as a vegan is that there's one where this boy is really mean to this dog and then the boy like gets hurt and sick in bed and the dog eats all of his food and there's nothing <laughs> the boy can do about it <laughs> yes is there a picture of that I do. Let me grab a picture of that. These were all somebody's Christmas present. Like, yet again, I will remind you that some little boy received this Yo, wonderful little gift of morality. Like, all jokes and ridiculousness aside, if I got a handmade custom illustration book with, like, these ridiculous poems, I would consider it, like, the best gift ever. <laughs> It is. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how old the little boy was. I think he was very young That who got this. Like, I don't even know. I remember reading this and thinking, can he even read? It must be that, like, somebody... Because I think he must have been around three years old. That dog is lavishly dining. He's chowing say. down, yeah. He's got his little bib on <laughs> and everything. Yeah. What is that behind? Is that the dog's tail or is that, like, a whip on the chair? I think that's a whip. I think that there was a whip involved in... The poor oh, dog the, story. Oh, the the boy was whipping the dog, and the dog's just like, "Well, fuck you now." Fuck you now, shit, you, you got what home. you deserved. <laughs> oh yeah, it was his three year old son. Yep, these were all for a three year old. I definitely would not tell three year olds such a bloody story, especially this one, which I'm about to post. That is the pictures. This is two panels before and after. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> the cats Yo, are crying! This one is fucking rad. <laughs> this girl is just completely in inflamed. inflamed. Like, her arms are up in the air, her ribbons and tassels and braids are on fire, and she and all the cats are like, oh no! With their hands in the air. And then she's just a steaming pile of ash, and the cats have their little handkerchiefs at their eyes, and they're just sobbing a pool of tears. Around, around the only thing that's left of her, which is her little red shoes. <laughs> Apparently she kicked those off before she fully got engulfed in flames. The last stanza of that poem is, 
when the good cats sat aside, the smoking ashes, how they cried, meow, meow, meow. <laughs> <laughs> what will Mama and Nursey do? Their tears ran down their cheeks so fast they made a little pond at last. Oh, poor babies. <laughs> I definitely feel worse for the cats than the girl. I'm sure she deserved it. <laughs> yeah, she was playing with I'm matches. Playing with matches. That's what she gets. <laughs> it's the, the title of that story is The Dreadful Story of Harriet and the Matches. <laughs> I mean, it's dreadful. Dreadful, all that's, right. That's like, that would, I feel like if I heard that as a child, I would have like, just like traumatic mental disorders moving forward and I would like never touch matches as an adult. Good. I mean, you know what? That might have been this man's intention because again, there was no preserving of childhood in 1845. <laughs> you you so. are absolutely right. I keep forgetting this is, this is old, better times. Old and better times. I mean, they had the whole story of Krampus. Who yeah. would who would steal you if you were bad? He'd like pick you up in a bag and take you away. You know, they just had that kind of story just sitting there. It's just sitting there. Just sitting there wait, waiting for you to read it and, and get traumatized by it. <laughs> just, I think that's where we should end it. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> Sorry I peppered in so many other facts about the book. I can, Are you kidding I can, no, me? No, I love it. it. There's perfect. I love that. It was so cool. <laughs> Glad you guys liked it. I can't believe that was only three clicks. I was like, wow. Here we are, are, yeah. Best topic. Candle's the best topic. Candle was a good one. Damn. All of that from candles. Yeah. We learned a lot. We learned don't play with matches, asbestos. Yeah. Don't play with any of that. Don't don't play around. Don't Don't, horse around. Don't horse around. This holiday season. Don't hurt animals. (laughs) Don't hurt animals. This holiday season, don't fuck around. There you go. Thanks for hanging out with us so, so, so much. We hope that we could keep your hearts and souls warm with our company and our laughter and our banter. Uh, If you want to hang out with us some more, there is always an open link to our Discord channel where you can so easily find all of the images that we laugh at. But if that's not really your thing, you can hang out at Go Ask Alice Pod on Twitter, Go Ask Alice Podcast on Instagram, or Sarah Web Science on TikTok, where you get tons of bonus stories because Sarah also talks a lot about science on her science TikTok. Oh, yeah. If that's your thing, totally hang out. Uh, if you want ad-free episodes, you can head over to our Patreon. That also a link, you can just search it or find our link, our link tree on. And really, other than that, just keep coming back exactly to this spot to keep getting your episodes. Yeah. Because Gene has no real social media presence. So if you want to flirt with Gene, that's pretty much the only way to do it. Thanks for hanging out with us. And we love Geist. We do love Geist. Love Geist. Bye. Yes, bye-bye. Bye. Test, test, boys are back in town. <laughs>